0: No Christmas nativity scene would be complete without the three wise men, a.k.a. Magi, from the East. Or were they three kings of Orient? You know, Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar? According to a medieval Irish description, the first is said to have been an old man with white hair and a long beard, the second beardless and ruddy-complexioned, the third black-skinned and heavily bearded. But were there really three Magi? Were they even kings? According to the New Testament, the answer is either no or unclear. The Christmas Nativity story we know comes from the combination of two Gospels, Matthew and Luke. Only the Gospel of Matthew mentions the Magi, and the writer does not say how many Magi there were. So. Who were they, really? Many scholars say that they were likely priests of an offshoot of the Persian religion Zoroastrianism. The Magi were known for their knowledge of astrology, interpreting dreams, and mathematics. And Persia, specifically the Parthian Empire, was to the east of Israel. In other words, Gentile, not Jewish. Why would the author of the most Jewish gospel in the New Testament include these Gentile magi in the birth story of his Messiah? While the author was the most Judaism-affirming of the Gospel writers, he was also pretty hostile about the followers of traditional Judaism. The Jewish Christian sect he evangelized openly included Gentiles, and because of this, His contemporary Jews dismissed the sect of even being Jewish. Maybe he included the Magi as a rebuke to show that even the Persians would follow the new Messiah. We hear from the story that the Magi came bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Maybe these Magi, these Zoroastrians, also came bearing theological and astrological insights for the budding Christian sect. Welcome to the ancient origins of the devil, Zoroastrianism, the first devil. This is the devil you don't know. Welcome, everyone. This is The Devil You Don't Know. We're back with the podcast that explores the historical and cultural relevance of the devil. I am still Don. I'm still Emily. I was always Jeremy. And today we are continuing our series on the ancient origins of the devil, and we are talking about Zoroastrianism and the devil. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's a big Z word. I don't get many of those. It's a good one though.
1: It rolls off the tongue very
0: nicely. Zoroastrian. You, it hard to you get freaking the freaking text though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think the key is is hitting those vowels. Don't don't ignore the vowels. Yeah, you know Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism. A lot of vowels in that word. It's a good one. Okay, so what about Zoroastrianism, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, We're going to cover the historical time period, get a sense of like where, when we're talking about. And we're going to right up front compare to the previous two episodes because we've covered a lot in the past two episodes. So let's just do a real quick refresher on the key points and how we think that's going to relate uh, moving forward. Uh, We're going to talk exactly what is Zoroastrianism and what does all that mean. Yeah. And we'll uh, get into the Zoroastrian myths, uh, and most prominently the Ahriman prophecy. So that's a big one. And we're going to see exactly how familiar that sucker sounds.
1: Super familiar, by the way. I I, was, yes. I remember going over it and I was like, wow, this is like line for line, a myth that I've heard about three other times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. Yeah. I didn't know about the Ahriman prophecy, Till I got into this. So um, I knew about Aramon, but I didn't quite. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to there. Yeah. Um, and then of course, we'll wrap it up with, you know, how did Zoroastrianism influence uh, post-exilic Judaism and early Christianity? And I'll remind everybody what post-exilic means uh, in a bit. So last time, on the ancient origins last
2: time (laughs) on the devil Um, you don't know
0: that's right i want to hear each of us do that
1: that was really good Emily, can we do that again what say it again say the exact thing you just said the last time on uh all right i'll do it do it after me (laughs) last time on the devil you don't know
2: last time on the devil you don't know I don't know how I said it the first time. Now, no, was now, good. Was now I'm trying to to like do it on command, and that
1: doesn't work. <laughs> do the radio work voice. Oh, no. Be funny. <laughs> I can't. I can't be funny when you say be funny. I don't know funny. what to say. It's not. <laughs> last <laughs> time on I don't know. Last time
2: on the devil you don't know, and hit it, Don.
0: Now you say it, Don. We didn't get yours. Last time on the devil you don't know.
2: See that sounds way better.
0: That was pretty NPR, is what that was. I loved it. <laughs> NPR is definitely a big uh, inspiration of mine. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I I strive to to meet that. I, I'm a long way there. It's gonna be fine. Let's start with Egypt. So that's what we started with: ancient origins of the devil, Egypt. Last uh, last time, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we covered about three thousand ish or so BCE to about 31 BCE. You know, right up to about Cleopatra and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, say
2: those dates again?
0: So, around 3,000 3, BCE, BCE to, to 31 BCE.
2: Okay, I thought you said 3,100 BCE. And yeah, I was like, no. that's only 100 no, years, and we covered, we covered more than that.
0: <laughs> it's got to be more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go back and listen. And jump in, as uh, you know, big points that that strike out at you. Um the universe has a divine order and balance called Maat. And, and it has Ma'at naturally. So for the Egyptians, the the universe sort of naturally in its resting state is ordered and balanced. Um and they call that Ma'at.
1: Right. And and everything's in a cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything is cyclical and, and and always the the attempt is to get back to Ma'at. Yeah. At, at all times. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, which is a great segue to the next point. Evil and chaos are disruptions of Maat and must be overcome. And Maat must be restored. So exact just like what you were saying. Uh people relied on the security of the fertile Delta Nile, you know, Nile Delta. Mm-hmm. And then rulers are the people's direct connection with the gods and the will of the gods. So they're they're pharaohs. Of course, we we took away some of the key things about that we learned that were kind of tied to the devil. Do you remember some of those? Like yeah, color.
1: I was just thinking about that, like the the color of the red that comes up. The there wasn't the distinct, uh, you know, good side versus dark side, or or or, or you know creator of all versus enemy of all that wasn't a, a part of it necessarily. Uh But there was the, the brothers and then the, uh the, the fire being element and, and the, even the underworld kind of aspect uh showing up in that. Uh Wait, I'm not getting that confused with Mesopotamian. Am I? No, that's right. And uh, it, it had an, it had, I have a neat chart. There are so that... many
2: similarities between the two though. So, right. Yes. That's why
1: I don't want to like, like mix them up. Let like, you know, someone's going to go back and listen to the episodes of like, Jeremy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He was in
0: the <laughs> wrong place. No, no, you're good. You're good. Well, let's just move on to Mesopotamia then. So, yeah. I mean, so I'm just trying to hit the high points of the historical to- context to set up today. So, Mesopotamia, we covered uh, most likely predating the Egyptians, right? Right. Mm-hmm. 6000 ish BCE.
1: Yeah, um, by a lot, right? It's not just the, the hundred years before. They're like, no, we were here an entire you before you.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, even further than that, I mean, I, you can go back to like 12,000 BC. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And,
2: Civilization and I think, there.
0: I think it's, it, it, you know, not just Mesopotamia. I mean, it, it is in that general region, mm-hmm. um, as we'll see with Persia. There is people there as well. I'm sure there were people in Egypt- it was just they were scattered. They weren't organized. They were um,
2: right. I, I guess I when I was talking about twelve thousand BCE, I was I, I meant like where civilization, where society starts coming together, mm-hmm. more so than just oh, I keep hitting my mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rude. Uh, more so than just people, like you said, scattered and stuff.
0: Yeah. You know my wife Cindy was saying something about the one of the first signs of civilization I don't I I assume it must have happened they must discover this in Mesopotamia was oh, so well, let me ask you what do you think was the the key sign or the key discovery they found that determined that civilization had begun
2: I know this answer
0: Ooh I don't know this answer I should. This sounds very
1: Jeopardy question. <clears throat> the key sign that they are identified that civilization had begun. That would be civilization means more than one populace together. So there would have to be uh, commute I, I don't know,
0: like like pottery,
1: like like oh. bowls or pots. Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> no, I uh, I for the record, I would not have gotten this. So
2: <laughs> Emily, I- what, do you, what do you think? it's when people started uh to care for each other and uh yes. it's it's it was found in uh skeletons when they saw that people had like tried to splint a broken mm. leg uh,
1: oh god Back yeah.
2: then i mean some injuries something like a broken leg or something i mean that's thats they just left death, you in the dust. that's a death sentence yeah you know so when they started trying to care for the the people who are not as well off or who are sick mm-hmm. or hurt or injured. Uh that's that's yeah. when you saw the the start of like civilization of of society, people taking care of each other.
0: Yeah. Nice. I it. think that's cool as hell. Yeah, you know, I do yeah, too. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So back to uh Mesopotamia. Uh we covered right up to about three twenty three BCE. Uh, and that is when uh, the Greeks kind of swooped in and took over. So we'll get to them in a bit. Um, the universe in Mesopotamia is like the exact opposite of Egypt, <laughs> right? So the universe is chaos. It's uncaring. It's fucking violent as hell. Um, peace and order has to be fought for and constantly maintained. Uh, brutal, brutal place. Right. Uh, they also had a fertile ground uh, so that those lands between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers were, you know, regularly invaded and with uh, different kingdoms uh, that were established. It was like, oh, who, who are we serving today? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, of course, you know, if you were just among the people just trying to make a living and, and, you know, live your life. Uh, If, if you were living in a kingdom that was conquered, then you could be dispersed, sold into slavery, exiled from your land um, or executed, tortured, whatever, you know, that's right. Um, It was, it was some bad stuff. But but what we,
1: what we attributed that I I may be jumping your notes here was noticing that Exile was so common and was such a possibility and even just the otherance of, uh, other countries coming in had, uh, an effect on the way the religion was understood and, and the way the, mm-hmm. uh, the deities and the, I don't, what I call it, the counter deities or, or the devils were uh, kind of taking shape. In, yeah, in the, the demons there, was, and the, there was there was there were specifically demons and there was specifically uh being dragged away or or or, or being uh vicious and, and malicious towards people mm-hmm. in general yeah. and, and causing a lot of death and destruction. Those were just decidedly evil and then had to be taken out.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the Assyrian Empire was especially brutal and violent, ruled by dominance through fear. They were kind of known as the the bullies. Of the area, they just swoop in and take your lunch money and you know <laughs> your skin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, real violent. Their myths were super gonzo violent, and uh, and so when the Jews were uh, in their homeland, they were invaded by Babylon and they were exiled by Babylon. So the Babylon came in and kicked them out of their kingdom. And so they were scattered. This is called the diaspora. And so uh, as we'll uh, talk about today, the time period that brought them back, let them come back to their homeland. And it was during this time, you know, writing and thought had if in, in the Judeans' minds had changed significantly since before then. So pre-exilic, pre-exile, and post-exilic, post-exile, some very different writings. In the same Hebrew Bible. Yeah. So, uh, okay. And then we've got Canaan. And so that's that strip uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, we were talking about about 3300 BCE to uh, all the way through like the first century CE. Uh, and once again, the universe was cyclical. You know, mm-hmm. remember that uh, um, mythology be- between Baal and Mot. And they would fight and every seven years, one of them win, would win. <laughs> right. So if, if Ball won, you got seven years of bounty. If Mott won, there was seven years of drought. Um, definitely this kind of back and forth cyclical, um, thing. And then of course, Ball, we talked quite a bit about being this, the Lord and he was the savior God of life and fertility
1: right but mm-hmm. not just the lord ball was a title of lords mm-hmm. of, of someone who is in charge of so when there was the whole uh city of of ball or Baal zabub, right that was talking about uh, help me out who's who are they referring to
0: the, uh, Beelzebub, uh, there was, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the name of the person or who, but, uh, it meant Lord of the High Place or Lord of the Mansion, Lord of the right. High Mansion. Yeah. Beelzebub.
1: And Beelzebub was the Lord of Flies, right? The Zebub? The well, Zebub no.
0: was the whole thing. Beelzebub was, uh, to the Canaan's Lord, of the, the Lord of the High Place. But right. the okay. Jews took that and said, the Lord of the Flies, that's right. Lord of dung. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, we we get get some pretty pretty significant commentary of their uh, situation. So. Solid shade. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I uh, I can't do this audio, you know, in an audio format. I can't show you this really nice table, but I'll go through it real quick. Uh, it's a comparison. I'll post this on the on show notes on the website. Uh, Between Egypt, Mesopotamia, and Canaan, and we're going to look at what the afterlife was, whether or not the gods cared about humanity, and what was their conflict resolution like. So for Egypt, do they have an afterlife? Yes. It was a promise through mummification to be able to enter the land of the dead, right? Right. Yes. Yes. And so the whole Osiris and Horus kind of set that up in Mesopotamia. Was there an afterlife? You recall? No,
1: I don't remember. There is. Was there? It yes. wasn't when you're dead. You're dead.
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a realm of the dead. Not too dissimilar to, you know, the the realm that Osiris governed over. Um, not too dissimilar to really the Greeks of Hades. Uh, it was its own realm of the dead, but it was not particularly nice place. I mean, you did have the judges and the demons that would oversee your torment if you were particularly bad. Um, so it could be a realm of punishment. Not Surprising in Mesopotamia, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Canaan, uh, we, they wouldn't really talk about the afterlife in Canaan, but uh, looking it up, they did have a fairly neutral realm of the dead kind of thing. So sort of had this situation of of this place of the dead after you die. Did gods care about humanity? Egypt. What do you think?
1: Uh, humanity was made by tears at one point, And I'm going to say they were not really caretakers of them. Right. So no, <laughs> Egypt did not care about humanity. Did I lose again? Emily?
0: <laughs> There's uh, only one other option. Why are you asking for another answer?
2: Yes. I'm going with yes,
0: they did. <laughs> no, it's wrong. It's wrong. Oh, you're. Jeremy, you're not too far off, but they did, Ra did care about humanity, Um, you know, because again, Pharaoh was a god, the direct link with the gods, you know, right. so the Pharaoh was there to facilitate the relationship between the people and the gods. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that they were, you know, too lovely, but ISIS was, you know, fond, supposedly fond of, people and and that sort of thing so it wasn't like apathetic or anything but it wasn't you know real closely connection either so i can see why you said what you did sounds like i definitely need to go back and listen to our episode again <laughs> oh.
1: As-
2: oh i know i do <laughs>
0: <laughs> mesopotamia did gods did the gods care about humanity no
1: no distinctly right. not distinctly not <laughs> yeah. like that. I remember that was
0: very much the we're on our own and they're fighting for things as it is. Yep. Yeah. Humanities uh, should serve the gods and make sacrifices. That's it. Screw yeah. humanity. We don't even care. They should just edify us as <laughs> the gods. Um, but, and then Canaan, did the gods care about humanity in Canaan?
1: Yes,
0: I'm gonna.
1: I'm gonna go with yes. I'm, but it, but it was, it was aloof.
0: If uh, I, I recall, I'm, I'm with you on that too. I mean, I'm,
2: yeah, my my yes is a what? yeah, yeah, Sarah, exactly. Maybe? I feel I like you're on the
0: same page, guys. I think you retain okay, more than you thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I was like sure.
1: Yeah, um, they, they, they were like they, they weren't. Uh, if I recall, they certainly weren't hostile to, but they weren't like, we are absolutely here to take care
0: of you. Boon well, one you. of them was hostile.
1: So R- w- yes.
0: <laughs> right. Astarte. Uh, what was the name? Astarte. Astarte. I thought you said. Or Yeah.
1: Astereth. That's that's the one that I was, I was thinking of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She killed the fuck out of humanity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Until she was like stopped
1: as, as yeah. fast as possible.
0: Um yeah. So I mean Paul was the Lord. Everybody revered the Lord. He was the savior God, but that yeah, it's about as far as we got into it. Yeah. Um, and then conflict resolution. I feel like all three had about the same. Brutally violent resolution. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Absolutely. There was no there was no discussion.
0: Yeah.
2: No compromise. No, I want this. Well, I want yeah. this. And yeah. It's fight to the death.
0: If I win, you lose your skin, literally, <laughs> or your legs. Okay, so that kind of ends our recap. There's lots of suffering in the world, um, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a hard time. And so it's in the bed of all of this that's happening. So just to the east of Mesopotamia and Canaan was Iran or as the empires Persia you know yeah. uh, back then so what's happening over there and who the hell are they so that's our next situation so iran was primarily polytheistic with many similarities to the vedic religion and vedic is the sort of the precursor or the real beginnings of hinduism okay so early iran uh, was polytheistic kind of like Hinduism. And then somewhere in the middle of the second millennium BCE or the sixth century BCE jury seems to be out on this one came Zarathustra. The uh, the prophet. Okay. our, Our friend from episode one. Scholars can't seem to agree on exactly when this guy was around. Um, Yeah, there's
2: like a 5,000-year spread. It's weird.
0: (laughs) He was there the whole time. The whole time. (laughs) But we do know that his teachings caught some pretty major momentum right around the 6th and 5th centuries BCE. Uh, So Zoroastrianism was the state religion of three Persian empires. Uh, The Achaemenid Empire, which we're about to talk about. Uh, the was that the largest
2: Empire,
0: one? Uh, i I don't know the answer to that. I
2: thought, okay, I thought that was the largest one. Anyway, um, no, it's it, it neither, here, was, neither here nor there. But
0: yeah, and and they were there for about uh, five fifty to three twenty three or so BCE. Um, so a couple of hundred years. Okay. Uh, the Parth, Parthian Empire. They were there from. 247 BCE to 224 CE. So, almost 400 years there. And then this, uh, Orbananian Empire uh, was 224 CE to 651 CE.
2: When was, when was Cyrus the Great who brought the...
0: The Achaemenid Empire. he's going to be our, uh, He's going to be our celebrity today.
2: Oh, sorry. I, I, didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to jump the gun. Uh, no, spoiler alert. you're on the
0: right track.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: So let's just jump right into the Caymanid Empire, shall we? This is the most influential period for Zoroastrianism, and particularly on our concepts for the devil that sort of came out of this. So... The Achaemenid Empire began in about 550 BCE by Cyrus the Great, um, of the movie 300 fame. So go back and watch that if you want.
1: Wait a minute, Cyrus the Great, help me out. I'm thinking of
0: uh, Xerxes. There's Xerxes, right? And then was he
1: was he before or after Xerxes? That's who you're talking about,
0: right? That that kind of... You know what? I don't know. It's been so long that I've seen it, but all the sources about... They they referenced 300, the movie 300 quite a bit, so... I've
2: never seen that 300 movie. 300 movie? What? I have it. Is it good? It, it is.
0: Violent.
1: Really. It is violent is what it is. Well, I would
2: assume it's violent, but like, is it's, it a, It's
1: interesting. Does it hold it's up? It's very stylized. Um, it's, yeah, super graphic right. novel. That's, like, that's like,
2: the... It's like the computer generated images that they, like there's a lot of CGI.
1: They, they yeah, use CGI sure. a lot in there, but it's, it's a, uh, the, the whole film has, do you remember, um, 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 F- uh, Skywriter. Uh, yeah, I know shoots. exactly
2: which one you're talking about. Right, like, right. Paltrow right, is in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So,
1: so that was like one of the very first movies that everything was all green screen. This one yeah. has the same type of feel to okay, that. You're, that you're I like, guess that's what I meant. Like, it's it's out of reality. So yeah. everyone, that but it's real with,
2: people. But it it looks like it's totally. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
1: That's that's, that's that. the stylized effect. Yes.
2: Okay. I have not. Yeah. I have not seen that movie.
1: Don, I and. cut you off and I need the guy's
0: name again because now all I'm seeing is Xerxes. Do it. Yeah, because okay. I thought that too. And so I don't know if Xerxes is supposed to be Cyrus. Um, Cy- I didn't, I didn't Cyrus look Cyrus the Great, out. right? That's, that's yeah, what he was called? Yeah, Cyrus the Great. Okay.
1: I mean, I'm gonna, I'm he, look
0: at this. he's
2: mentioned in the Bible too, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, he might be, yeah. Because um, the Jews totally love this guy. And well, he,
2: Yeah, I brought him back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. hey, so, you were exiled. Come on back. Come on back,
0: yeah. So Cyrus the Great was actually pretty great. So he led the empire here. They revolted against the Median Empire in 553 BCE, uh, defeating the, uh, the Medes or the Medes in 550 BCE and establishing their empire. In Octo- on October the 12th, 539 BCE, Cyrus the Great took the city of Babylon and portrayed himself as restoring divine order. Um, He compared himself to the Assyrian king Ashurbanipal, and the Hebrews really gushed on Cyrus for his conquest of Babylon, referring to to him as Yahweh's anointed.
1: Right. Hmm. That's when that name started coming up.
0: Yeah. Um, Cyrus allowed the Jews to return to their homeland. Um, And Cyrus was kind of an interesting... Ruler, he really sort of was okay with diversity in his kingdom.
2: Diversity um, of...
0: Different in, peoples, different religions. Okay, I uh, didn't know
2: if he meant different religions specifically. or Yeah,
0: other types. yeah. Okay. He seemed to be pretty cool with the whole thing. Um, yet, he personally was Zoroastrian. And so, in fact... Now, basically starting uh, from here, for the next thousand years, Zoroastrianism would be the dominant religion in Persia. And then for the next couple of centuries, the Jews are under Persian occupation in one form or another until Alexander the Great comes along in 523 and crushes the Achaemenid Empire. Just not so
2: great. Yeah,
0: not so (laughs) great anymore. And gone now, not so great. Of course, Cyrus is long dead by then anyway, but it was it was utter defeatedness. Okay, so during the, that time frame, though, that we're talking about, 550 BCE to about 323 BCE, it's surmised that the Judean religious elite came into contact with Iranian religious officials and began developing new theologies based on some Zoroastrian ideas. That seems a little out of place, Uh, for the Jews, because they were very like personal identity. But I guess, I mean, shit, you got to think about this. They were out in the world with the Assyrians and the Babylonians and this brutal Mesopotamian religion around them. And then Cyrus comes along and says, yeah, stop all that crap. You can go back home and, and be, you be you. Well, they (laughs) might be pretty, pretty receptive to hear what, these guys have to say, you know, for sure.
1: Right. If, um, if this one is, is merciful and benevolent, then how does what got him that way? Now, can yeah. we do more
0: of that? So some of the evidence that we see in this, in the Bible, uh, in Isaiah, Job, and Jeremiah, we have a new form of Satan, no longer the lowercase s. We now have the Satan, a recurring character among the divine council and a role similar to a courtroom prosecutor. So still not the agent of evil, but there is one Satan now. Right. It, but it's specifically about. an adversary, right? It, it's it's yeah.
1: the opposite of. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's like I say, like a prosecutor or something like that. Um, someone that's there to accuse you. The accuser. There is in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the community rule, uh, the God of Israel created spirits of light and darkness. And founded every action upon them and created every act, uh, every deed upon their ways. The angel of darkness leads all the children of righteousness astray. All their sins, iniquities, wickedness, and all their unlawful deeds are caused by his dominion. This is new. This is in, this is Dead Sea Scrolls stuff. So it's not in the Canon, Mm -hmm. but like it's contemporary of this time. We now have an angel of darkness. Um, that they're writing about. Uh, Freaking
1: finally!
2: <laughs> Just what you always wanted, Jeremy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Been going
1: for thousands of years. Where's my angel of darkness?
0: This angel of darkness is a malevolent spirit named Belial, an evil angel who leads an army of other evil angels. Okay, so
1: that, now we got angels and demons.
0: Yeah. So we got angels and demons, and we've got some new ideas here, and maybe, you know, and and I guess the point is before the exile, none of that was there. Yeah. And and after when they came back, and we're talking like not even a hundred years, right? That they were in exile. They come back having had all this, uh, polytheism, Mesopotamia, Baal, Canaan, and then, uh, You know, they get to reject all that, call it awfulness, call it the Lord of Dung, and then come back and go, you know, it's pretty freaking evil out there and our God's not responsible for that. What's going on, right? Right. All right. We'll get back to the Jews. Okay. What is Zoroastrianism? And to really talk about this, we need to talk about our old friend in episodes one and two, Zarathustra. Or as the Greeks called him, Zoroaster, hence Zoroastrianism.
1: I get it.
2: <laughs> I'm following. I see what you did there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of information out there uh, that we we get from these folks uh, is by Hesiod, who was. Um, notorious for being wrong (laughs) historically. (laughs) Um so take that, but um, but we've got some other stuff here. Again, so let's just talk about Zorothhrustra for a second, just like who was this guy and what did he do? Um, and again, the difficulty with a timeline in in you know, for him is that there's just so much inconsistency. Dates of birth and death cannot be learned with any degree of certainty because all of the records that we have are basically lost um, or fragmented. For more information on all that process and and whatnot, um, check out the links in the show notes. Um, it's out there. The truth is out there. The truth is out there in the show notes. Please check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and subscribe. According to Zoroastrian tradition, so according to the Zoroastrians, he flourished 258 years before Alexander the Great conquered Persepolis, which was the capital city of the Persian Achaemenid dynasty at the time in 330 BCE. That would put him around 588 BCE. Okay. And they say that he was 40 when he converted uh, Vistaspa – Thought to be the king of Koroasmia in Central Asia in 588, which puts his birth date around 628 BCE. Some scholars say that he ha- he must have been born between 1500 to 1200 BCE. Uh, we've got a YouTube link that um, in the comments that or in the show notes that talks about that. Um, so it it's as we said it's all over the board. Jeffrey Burton or Russell however seems to go with the traditional dates and um just a reminder he is the author of the book The Devil: uh, Perceptions of Evil in um Antiquity to Primitive Christianity once again link in the show notes and uh we we've been using that book qu- quite a bit for the basis of this podcast uh in this part of the podcast. He seems to go with the traditional dates uh because they seem to line up with the timeline of the aforementioned Achaemenid dynasty. So you know, just kind of fits. So mm-hmm. who is this dude? Zarathustra was an Iranian religious reformer and prophet who introduced dualism, if you'll recall uh, recall from episodes one and two. Uh, we'll t- we'll get into more about dualism in a second, uh, but this was a brand new thing. Again, uh, real simply, right. there was two principles. Now there good is a principle of good and a principle yeah. of evil. Uh, sources say he was probably a priest and started training for the priesthood around the age of seven and became a priest at 15. He left his parents at age 20 and traveled. And by the age of 30, he received a vision from Ahura Mazda who appointed him to preach the truth. And Ahura Mazda uh, turns out to be the god of light and truth. And while the civil and religious authorities of the time apparently opposed his teachings, Zarathustra didn't try to overthrow any particular belief in the older Iranian religion, um, which was polytheistic. He did, though, place Ahura Mazda at the center of the kingdom of justice that promised immortality and bliss. And so he's considered the founder of the Zoroastrian religion. And bringing this sort of new God and new paradigm to put all these other gods into frame. Uh, he uh, taught about yeah. the individual judgment, heaven and hell. What? The resurrection of the body. Oh. A last judgment and an everlasting life for the reunited soul and body, among other things. It is believed that the Abrahamic religions borrowed these concepts, but probably lost the context of the original teachings, which is what you do. As I like that. I'm going to incorporate that to my context. Hashtag (laughs) Christianity. Right. Kind of an interesting guy. Uh, To me, sounded a lot of parallels to me to... What we heard from Yasmin Bendas about the prophet Muhammad. Anything? You, mm-hmm. you know, he was a priest. He, uh, you know, he would go and pray and good point. things weren't quiet. You know, the, the religious climate wasn't exactly to, you know, something was rubbing him wrong. Obviously he gets a vision from this holy being and, and gives him very clear, uh, inspiration and ideas to carry forth. I don't know that just sort of like, Hmm, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, other parallels really show up a lot for me right now, like outside of just Islam, like now we've got the, the dualism and I think we've been referencing back several, several times, like Christianity, mm-hmm. just borrowed from it, everything, but it's, it just seems really uh what would I call it like grandfather or, or like like directly related to the the idea that like I always thought that Christianity came from Judaism but now I'm hearing that Judaism and Christianity probably come from Zoroastrianism like like there's there seems to be kind of a a lineage that
0: could be what call come from uh influenced and sort of helped I mean, there's so many, um, there's so many factors that go into how something grows and becomes a thing.
1: Yeah, and you were actually just kind of like hinting at that a little bit, right? Like, like when you have the different, the the culture literally moving locations or being forced Mm -hmm. in and out of things that that certain things would get absorbed and things wouldn't. So, I I totally get that. That's that's a better way to put it.
0: I guess one of one of the things that I'm not going to say is that uh Zoroastrians taught the Christian or taught the Jews uh about Satan that right. that isn't that isn't how it happened
1: that's not a thing <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> 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 so uh what they did have was um, this concept of the ahuras and uh, no the asuras and the De- the devas The Asuras and the Devas. And the Asuras would later be uh, called Ahuras. So Ahura Mazda was one of these Asuras. And the Asuras were good divine spirits. um, And they were uh, affiliated or they were known as uh, associated with the truth. So the good spirits, truth, big theme there. The Devas were the evil spirits representing lies. And so the Asuras defeated the Devas. And the greatest Asura became the high god Ahura Mazda. Now, in mm-hmm. India, this is reversed uh, because again, this, this is uh, uh, sort of a formation out of the Vedic early Hindu situation. and so mm-hmm. the devas uh, overthrew the Asuras uh, in in that area. and it's kind of a different religion. so oh interesting. okay yeah. Um, Is it not called
1: Zoroastrianism? Is that a different no, religion entirely? totally a different religion. Nice, yeah. all right.
0: Vedic religion. So dualism. Dualism, it forms a spectrum between the extreme and absolute. Uh, we have basically uh, definite two separate principles of, of Zoroastrianism, but these become more and more diluted through um, different iterations. So Zoroastrian heresy of Zervanism, uh, later the Greek Gnosticism, the Manichaeism to Christianity, Judaism, Islam, where dualism almost ceases to exist. Um, But it's like it starts here. And, And so like pure dualism is there is definitely distinct two principles, two gods, two divine entities. Right. That one is not necessarily greater over the other. They have completely separate domains. Um, you know, one is responsible for all the evil, one is responsible for all the good, and they are in conflict. Um, we get themes of that because with some of these religions, the monotheistic ones in particular, they have to have this insistence that there is only one God. And so with a dualism that becomes problematic, yet they still believe it. Um, there's a YouTube video out there that, of of a guy who's talking about uh, the Christians don't even know that they uh, have two gods. That that there is <laughs> yeah, the one God and then that Satan's a God and that they don't recognize, but it's a God, you know. So I think his idea is kind of, he's tapping into this dualism thing and realizing that. I'll see if I can find that YouTube video and post it in the show notes.
2: Yeah, I'd be interested okay. in watching that.
0: That's- um, yeah. So all of these religions, though, they differ from one another. Um, they posit a God who is independent, powerful, and good, but whose power is to a degree limited by some other principle or, for- or you know, force. Uh, this will become an argument that there is only one God and he is all good and all powerful. And yet there is another force that is powerful and evil. And so this can range, this can still include polytheism all the way to monotheism. And the dualism in Christianity develops out of the borrowed concepts from the Greeks that the spirit itself is considered good. And the material world, the flesh, your body matter is considered evil. Hmm. We're going to talk a lot about Gnosticism and this Greek idea uh, in an upcoming episode when we get into the, the Greeks contributions to good and evil. Um, but that dualism is there. Good, evil, spirit, flesh. Hmm. Big, okay. big things going on here. Zoroastrians sacrifice the gods, uh, omnipotence, the, the powerfulness in order to preserve his absolute goodness. They claim that the two principles are totally independent. Yet they meet and clash, and the good one will inevitably prevail over the evil one. Okay, so that's that's the thing now. That's, the we the have good this is one. going to win. Yeah, so we have Ahura uh, Mazda. We've talked about him, and we've had Angra Mainyu, which we haven't totally mentioned yet, um, or also known as Araman. So Ahura Mazda is the wise Lord, um, and. His name would, uh, in a later version of Zoroastrianism be called Ormazd.
1: So is, is that is that like kind of like a just a shortened version of it, or is that a, an actual transitional name, Ahura it's, Mazda, Ormazd?
0: It, yeah, I, probably, probably that. Okay. Um, yeah, Ahura Mazda I mean, is a wicked awesome name, by the way. Right? <laughs> like that's a really cool name. Yeah. Um, and apparently, the Japanese thought it was really cool too. And they named a car after it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and a Star Trek communications officer.
0: Hell yeah. Right. Uhura. Uhura. He is the highest God, creator of heaven and earth, material and spiritual world. He represents the truth and goodness. Um, like capital T, capital G. He is the source of the alternation between light and darkness. He is the lawgiver and the very center of nature, and he is surrounded by six or seven other beings called Amesha Spentas or beneficent immortals. And these kind of can be thought of later of the Christian ideas like of archangels. archangels. Oh, okay. oh look go. at that! You yeah. said at the same time he did. That was rad.
2: See, I'm quiet, but like the gears are turning in my
0: head while <laughs> I this is going you. on. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're getting there, right? This is, this is good stuff, which, um, and they have these different Amesha Spentas may have been just different representations or expressions of Ohura Mazda, or they may have been separate, uh, separate divine entities. entities. Yeah. So, uh, who we have here are the good spirit. Um, this is justice or truth, righteous thinking. Is is the next one devotion, okay. desirable dominion.
1: Whoa, okay, well, yeah. Uh,
0: this is like uh, righteous rulership. Um, oh, it? okay. Wholeness and immortality, and the gods and humanity are bound by the same ethical principles. So that's cool.
1: Hmm. Oh, that's really cool. So, humanity and the gods have the same laws.
0: Yeah. And they're governed by this notion that truth is good. Yeah. And so, like I say, he's later known as uh, Ormaz. Angra Menu, or Araman, he is the opponent of Uhura Mazda. He is the destructive spirit that embodies the principles of evil and his followers who have freely chosen him, they're also evil. This is rooted in Zoroastrian cosmology, which we will get into very shortly. Sweet. Zarathustra perceived Angra Menu as the personification of the lie, which was the essence of evil.
2: Sure. So, if, if truth is the ultimate good, then the ultimate yeah. evil would be
0: It's lie. interesting to me that Deceit. that is the source now between good and evil. Is truth and lies. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm just wondering what was going on. I mean, sure, lying has always been bad, but there had to be some kind of like, wait a minute. Lying is the worst. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the ultimate sign of evil in all its forms. And recall that C.S. Lewis agreed with this, saying, you know, the lie is the worst of sins because it renders the cosmos unintelligible and unlovable. And again, he, he is later known as Araman.
2: Sky captain in the world of tomorrow.
0: There you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got it.
1: Best interruption ever. Got it.
2: Sorry. <laughs> like I said, you guys... I might be a little quiet here, but the gears are turning. <laughs> Lots of things are happening at once up in this brain. But yes, there we go. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies, carry on. That was bothering me. I was like, I don't know this movie. Okay. <laughs>
0: That's great. Wasn't Angelina Jolie in that one? Yes. Yes. Okay. And July. On eye page. she had an eye patch, right? She yes. did. No. Did no? she I think now I should. gotta look.
2: Wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow in it too?
1: I don't know. Oh, by the way, Paltrow, the whole connection Paltrow's of Paltrow's Cyrus Paltrow. to 300 is a wild rabbit hole that we're not
0: going to deal with. But uh, okay, like but you found it.
1: It's not even worth show notes, but we'll talk about it after the show
0: because it's it's bananas. Okay, I'm glad that you found that because it wasn't worth my time to look it up. So. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Cool. All right, so there are four major strands of Zoroastrianism. Uh, there is the teachings of Zarathustra himself, um, then those of Mazdaism, and this is the religion that sort of forms after Zarathustra's, or Zarathustra's death. So Mazdaism becomes the mainline Zoroastrianism. Zervanism comes next, and it is... A considered a heretical offshoot of Mazdaism. And then those of the Magi, whose teachings gradually diverged from orthodoxy and eventually helped produce the Mithraism of the uh, Hellenistic period. The Greeks thought of Zoroastrians that they came encounter with as Magi, wise men who possessed hidden knowledge of magic in the stars, which is exactly where we get The words magic and magician and and that sort of thing. Yeah, nice. uh, These are the magi. The three wise men in the Bible. Nice. Yeah. They are Zoroastrians. Um, That's super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Also, can I jump back real quick on a a phrase that you just said? I want to make sure I'm getting this right Zervanism. Zervanism. You said that was a heretical offshoot. So that's not like, a different uh, branch. Like, if I was going to put it in the Christianity terms, you've got Presbyterians and you've got Southern Baptists. It's not like that where they're both Christians. The heretical version is saying that, like, you guys are way off and you're, and you have lost your way because Zurvanisms are, are, it's different religion at that point.
0: I'm guessing it's something akin to Catholicism and Protestantism. Okay. You know, that deep of a divide. Yeah. But maybe even more than that. I don't know. Okay. Cool. Wow. I thank
1: you. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. 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 It, 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 you, you hit the, said the word heretical real fast. And I was like, I got to remember what that means. i going to get a get, get track on that.
0: Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Glad you did. Now, uh, to clarify Zarathustra, Zarath, I'm going to call him Zoroaster. We're, we're done with this mouthful of consonants <laughs> going with vowels. Zoroaster. Uh, himself took a position midway between monism and dualism. Mazdaism moved it decidedly towards dualism. Zermanism made a partial return in the direction of monism. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But in all three, the evil spirit opposes the good spirit. Okay. So... I guess the the point is there's four branches. Uh, they range in a spectrum. Like the dualism is not absolute. There is an absolute, but there's a spectrum of what that dualism actually means. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into some of the myths. Like, the you know, what, what is the Aroman prophecy? What is, you, you know, um, or Angra Menu, I should say. Uh, Emily, you want to
2: start
0: us off with a Mazda?
2: I got this. Yeah. As soon as my screen opens, I got this. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Let's go. Mazda Smith, All right. Okay. So, like, what, what Don was saying is that. uh, in the beginning, there's two spirits, right? Ormazd or Ahura Mazda and Arman, uh, the uh, Angra Mainyu, and yeah. they are separated by this big void. So you got Angra Mainyu over here, and you got Ahura Mazda over here. And Ormazd, good light, he's eternal.
0: Just to interrupt. Not- uh, just because you're saying Uhura Mazda, uh Ormazd is Uhura Mazda. so um just making that connection once again, we're using two different versions so mm-hmm. I, I think we're talking about Ormazd mostly and Aramon mostly, so uh okay, for the listeners, just know that the, that's what that is.
2: okay um so Ormazd isn't everywhere there though he's not omnipresent uh he's limited by this void. And by Aramon, who's on the other side. Um, he knows that Aramon's over there, and that the only way that uh, he can free himself from, from this spatial limitation uh, is by defeating Aramon and being able to become infinite. Uh, Ormaz, though, doesn't initiate any contact or struggle with Aramon.
0: He's a nice
2: guy. I I, I acknowledge you're there, and and that's it.
1: So he knows he has to find him, but he doesn't pick the fight. Right. Mm -hmm. Still gotta be nice about it. All right, cool. You're
2: there. I see you. You're there. Now, Arman, though, is uh, also limited in space. Now, remember, this is the dark and evil one. Um, And... Oh, wait. Yeah, you got it. So... Sorry about that. Arman is dark and evil, and he's also limited in space by this void and by Ormazd, who is beyond the void. Uh, He's also limited in time by the certainty of his eventual ruin at the hand of Ormazd. So Arman, right, once was not and again will not be. So now if Ormazd... if Ormazd is eternal, and Arman is the opposite of Ormazd, we have this dualism here. Then Arman is not eternal. That means he's there's going to be an end to him. It's finite. Right? Yes. So uh, the non-being of Arman indicates his non-Ormazdness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's the destroyer, this destructive spirit who is wicked and full of death. He's a liar, a deceiver. And Ormazd and Arman are good and evil by their own choice, but um, are eternally bound by their natures. They are who they are. and And that's it. That's totally so going to be of, my
1: excuse from now on. <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> I'm help it. I, choose this, but I can't this. help it's it. it. It's my nature. It's, it's my nature.
2: Uh, so one of uh, Ormaz's first acts is to limit time and removing it from the infinite by setting a term to it because he knows that he can only engage with Arman and destroy him within time. And so he sets time to twelve thousand years.
0: Okay.
1: All right. So hang on a second. Where does it? Where does that
0: term come from? Is that a calendar? That twelve thousand years? Do we know where it, that? It's just a number in the writings. Uh, that
2: and I don't know the background of where yeah. they came up with twelve thousand. It's,
0: it's a yeah. It's they said okay. Time has a set limit. It's twelve thousand years. This is what happens. Okay. okay. So, so now,
2: so that's the setup. So now we have the myth. All right. So. In the beginning, Ormazd knows Aramon exists. But Aramon, in his dark ignorance on the other side of the void, has no idea Ormazd exists. Now, in the first 3,000 years... Ahriman looks across the void and sees a point of light. And having seen it, he super wants it. He covets it, lusts for it, and wants to possess it. Does that sound familiar? Is anybody getting <laughs> Lord of the Rings vibes here? <laughs> my precious,
1: my precious. I that was the worst impression I've ever it, done in my life. That was bad. Just because someone cut that out. That was that was. Not even a Smeagol. That wasn't even close to it. I got to start over. I will. I'm going to mute and come back to that. <laughs> Fair. Right now. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was practicing. Yeah. No, you you keep, keep going. You're fine.
2: Okay. So Ormazd now creates all the good things, and Armon creates all the evil things. Think like scorpions and toads.
0: So they're evil, clearly. <laughs>
2: Clearly evil. So, I, what would Ormaz do? I heard something about like puppies and otters and hedgehogs, oh, right, hedgehogs.
1: <laughs> hedgehogs are called spiky dogs. The
2: spiky dogs.
1: That's right. Uh,
2: and the water dogs, the otters, of course.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we saw a video earlier that that mentioned uh, hedgehogs and otters as being associated with. Um, Ormaz. So in case you listeners are wondering, what the hell are they talking
1: about? Uh, that's that. All, all cute and lovable things are good and therefore Ormazd. Yes. Yeah. There you uh,
2: go. Don will link that. Don will link that. So, all right. So anyway, with his weapons of darkness, desire, particularly strong sexual desire and disorder, Arman attacks Ormazd's creations. Due to his envy and lust for what okay, Arman
0: has. so with his strong sexual desire, he attacks orma's creation. That that creates kind of an image of, of screwing. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a, that's. I mean, it's a valid point. But like, I it's interesting to think that a a strong sexual desire and and need to lust after something is again associated with With, Aramon, with with the evil And destruction. And destruction, yeah. Hmm.
2: So Ormazd, although he knows that he has to destroy Aramon, he attempts to avert the struggle because, you know, he's the good guy. And in the spirit of love and mercy, he goes and offers Aramon peace if Aramon would praise the good creation, now does anyone else think this sounds kind of like Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness? Anyone?
0: I I think that's kind of interesting because it you know in the Bible in the in the Gospels this is Satan Satan is saying you know if you would just worship me I would free you you know bow down to my kingdoms I would I would give you everything and. Orman is just, you know, the good guy is actually kind of saying to Aramon, hey, you know, everything's all golden if you just, you know, praise what I did.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but Armon thinks this is a total weak ass gesture and refuses the offer. So
1: cool. Yeah. Just <laughs> really reminds is, me of, sa- of Satan and Jesus now. Yeah.
0: Aramon is metal. <laughs> He's got this. <laughs>
2: So then Ormast shows him what his inevitable fate's going to be. And Arman is horrified by the terrible revelation of his, well, unavoidable ruin um, and falls into the outer darkness where he, you know, like you do, passes out for 3000 years.
1: <laughs> that is a serious fate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So dramatic. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so after that, Armon wakes up and he is pissed. And he engages in war with Ormazd for the next 3,000 years. And it's a super evenly matched fight and no one gains any ground. And then it's the final 3,000 years uh, where it ends with the destruction of the evil one. And that was all kind of, well, I mean, sort of prophesied.
0: That's that's, that's that 12,000 years, right? Yeah. So that Aramon prophecy, where it's like, hey, okay, we've, where we have this evil one, but eventually he's going to get wiped out. So, you know, yeah, it's inevitable. This is,
2: this is how it is going to end. So, and then, yeah,
0: that's, yeah, crazy. So So what, what, that what ideas? What Christian ideas can you identify that are eerily similar to everything we just heard?
1: Well, there was the the story of the temptation in the wilderness, right? So mm-hmm. we saw that one. Um, the idea that uh, Armon was kind of created out of the void and only saw void until there was a light, but then like completely went after that. That actually has a little bit of a, of a Genesis moment mm. in there of of once uh eve you know gave adam the the, the knowledge of good and evil then yeah. they were like oh no and ashamed of themselves and desiring other things instead right. looking for other information
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I I mean maybe I'm stretching but like I that felt familiar to me on that one. Yeah yeah
0: yeah. Well and of course uh revelation right <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> totally, lots of revelation in there yeah <laughs> yeah apocalypse in the in the great end the great battle right right so if I'm if I'm getting it right, you said there was three thousand years of battle where it was like even, like like, mm-hmm. like nothing happened after three thousand. But the second three thousand years, so a total of six thousand years, and that's when Ormazd was like gaining, uh, gaining advantage, I guess, over. Yeah, Orman. the last
0: three thousand years, Ormazd is kicking Araman's ass, and okay. eventually, um, eventually just destroys him. Yeah, it's a long fight. It's a long yeah. time to just like. Yeah. Well, considering. The last 3000 years this whole thing was invented
1: right <laughs> yeah great point so like freaking where are we on the scale are we in the first 3000 is armon asleep is he just um, now trying to screw well, us
2: all armon in the first 3000 years that's armon um is is full of want and and coveting yeah. Um all that Ormaz has. That that's I, the first that's the first three thousand years. And yeah. and it's Ormaz creates good things and Arman creates Bucks evil
0: things.
2: <laughs> so so that's like the setup. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Jeremy, uh, I think your so your version of this myth is gonna go into a lot more detail um and and expounds greatly on on what Emily just said. So why don't you take this away? Cool. So this is the Zervanite's version of the
2: I map. was not enough for you.
0: You were always <sighs> enough for me, Emily. This so is
1: why like, it's heresy, Emily. Let's be clear. <laughs> Hamburgers are great by themselves, but when you add a little ketchup, they're pretty amazing. Just consider me your ketchup. In a completely I was going to say, did you,
2: did you did just <laughs> compare me to a hamburger with <laughs> no ketchup?
1: My <laughs> God. Okay. That's, In a compliment, in a good way, in a good way, I bet. Sort of. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Do it. Go. All right, all right. Zervanite. The Zervanites. So there is one principle, Zervan, the one God that is all-encompassing. Zervan is both good and evil, the male and the female, the light and the darkness, order and disorder, bliss and misery. Zervan, being all eternal, lives by himself and gets lonely. He wants a son. For one thousand years, he sacrifices, which I guess means he uses his creative powers unsuccessfully. So he doubts his creative powers. Like... Every artist in the entire planet doubts powers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <about this. laughs> oh my God, that's so real. I right, didn't want to be doing the real. This and it's crap. More crap.
1: <laughs> it's more crap. We why? Can't... Why do people even pay me for this garbage? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good lord. All right, so getting off of myself. Yeah. At the end of a thousand years, his wife. So what? Now we thought he was alone. So this is, oh, this is the female side of him, right? Because he's both male and female, female, so he's androgynous. So his wife then gives birth, which means he gives birth to two sons. One is the product of his love and desire, who is Ormaz, warm and moist, God of goodness, light and life, right? So that means the other result is the moment of his doubt Ahriman, cold and dry, Lord of darkness and evil. Zervan planned on giving Aramon nothing and intended on bestowing the rule of the entire world to the son he loved, or Maz, obviously. But Aramon thrust himself out of the wound first and claims the rule (gasps) to the horror of his father. His father says, my son is light and fragrant, but thou art dark and stinking. (laughs) (laughs) You're a turd. (laughs) Why? I did not expect a poop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> For a time, Aramon has the lordship of the world. And at the same time, though, the moment of his destruction and the triumph of Ormazd is set. So uh, now we have dun, that dun, final... Dun. There we go. It's dropped Yeah. In.
0: Let me just interject real quick. So what we have here is a twinning of the god, right? Or uh, Zervan becomes two, right? Um, right. And the solution to this twinning You, you know, the, it would be to reincorporate itself eventually later, right? Well, that's not exactly what happens. Instead, the solution after twinning is to kill one of the twins, to eliminate it entirely by cosmic battle. So, uh, this devil has become a totally alien force, not to be assimilated, but to be destroyed. And if you can recall, this this is uh going back to uh psychic suppression or psych, you know, psychological suppression. We are not to recognize the evil in ourselves and consciously suppress it, but to deny the evil in us, insist it comes from somewhere else and strive for perfection that will come when we have driven off all of its assaults. Jeez, that's just a lot of pressure. Yeah.
1: So it's a lot to do. Um Really quick, let me just because of Zervan being the one and only, and then having the twins and destroying one of the twins. Are we talking about like now we're looking at a father and son moments?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, or is it uh, really well, a
1: replacement where Zervan becomes the two others? It, and it's no kind of really thing.
0: that, right? Okay. I mean, Zervan is Zervan becomes more of the concept of the cosmos. Yeah. Um. Or this overarching, almost like time, or I don't know what it is. You know, it's the the big, big thing. Um. And that's kind of where this monism versus dualism comes in, because Zervan essentially uh, has created or birthed Ormazd and Araman. Right. There's still one god, which is Zervan, but it's these two that are fighting. Yeah, um, but they might be still reflections of the one, you know. That's so, that's where that that scale can come in. Okay,
1: all right. So we're we're not talking Trinity and two sons of God, but but there's a little bit of that in there, just more in the concept. Certainly of could stuff. be. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Appreciate that. All right. I want to jump back in. So uh, now, at the same time, the moment of of of. Ahriman's destruction and the triumph of Ormazd is set. Ormazd imprisons Ahriman in darkness and sets about creating the cosmos. He creates life in the material world in the four manifestations. Vegetation, fire, the primal bull or ox, and the ideal man. This man, by the way, his name is Geomart. He is shining, he's complete, and in all ways a perfect microcosm, and Ormazd is pleased. Which is so exactly what it sounds like out of Genesis as well. Yeah. (laughs) But Aramon, who has been slumbering for 3,000 years in the outer darkness, is revived by capital The Whore, named Jay, and renews his assault upon Ormazd and his works. So the third 3000 year period begins of evenly matched war. Despairing, yet still enormously powerful, Aramon bursts forth from the outer darkness and attacks the sky, rending it apart and plunging through the atmosphere towards the earth. Upon reaching the earth, he tunnels a vast hole through it and emerging on the other side, he enters the primal waters under the earth. He has now introduced violence and disorder into the cosmos and causes darkness to fall. Armon creates all of the loathsome things. Think of whatever you hate. What is is the gross thing? Scorpions, vipers, toads, ugliness, destructive forces, storms, drought, disease, death, corns, warts, right, male pattern baldness, all of it. It's just all created by Armon. He creates all of the demons and destroys life, killing the fire, the plants, the primal ox, and shiny Geomart. And he is now well-pleased. Araman now intends on returning to the outer darkness to gloat. But Ormazd creates the souls of men yet to be born. They freely choose Ormaz and help him against the ancient foe, binding Aramon within the cosmos and within time, preventing his escape.
0: Once again, we have that, uh, free will, you know, people choosing good. Yeah. Uh, choosing the side, you know,
1: and, and really setting themselves with a foe and, and a hero. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ormaz now has time to repair the damage and, in the end, vanquish and destroy the destructive one, Armon. Ormaz introduces the resurrection. The corpse of the great ox fertilizes the sterile land. Rain wets the dry earth, and plants grow and green the world again. Fire is rekindled. The seed of the deed of Geomarts enters dead. the womb of the earth. Dead, sorry, the seed of the dead Geomarts enters the womb of the earth, which springs forth the ancestors of humanity, Masha and his wife, Mashanya. I probably said that wrong.
0: Is that- we'll go with it.
1: Alright, cool. The first couple have free will, again, just like you were saying, mm-hmm. and initially choose to love and serve Ormazd. But Aramon tempts them with the essence of sin itself. He tells them a lie. They believe the lie, and then they repeat it, choosing the lie over truth. Masha and Mashanya say that Aramon, not Ormazd, has created the material world. Then they add another sin. The first couple sacrifice an ox. The holy cattle? Yeah, that's what they sacrificed. Masha <laughs> and Mashanya are tempted by Aramon, but sinning of their own free will, they fall from grace. They do learn knowledge and understanding of the arts of civilization, they make clothing, they can cook, etc., but they also learn suffering. Into the world now intrudes strife and hatred and disease and poverty and even death. Masha and Mashani can no longer function according to their intended nature. Or Mazd wants them to be fruitful and multiply, but they abstain from sexual intercourse for 50 freaking years. <laughs> that is the worst sentence I have read so far tonight. <laughs> That's yeah. a terrible idea. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, no. When they do finally come together, they birth twins. Oh, and then eat them.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Or Maz then causes the couple to be fertile again. More children are born and their parents have tamed their ferocious urges and survived to become the ancestors of the human race. Human nature is henceforth threefold at this point. It is demonic as well as animalistic and divine. Yet the sin of Messiah and Mishaniye bind us to sin. Even though that happens, we still retain our free will. The original sin of our first parents did warp the conditions of our lives, but it did not bend our will towards Aramon. If we live lives of moderation and respect for the God, we do the God's will. And after obligation to always fight the lie, moderation is the chief duty of humanity.
0: Yeah, that last one is really a summary of the first three that you just said. Yeah, this sounds like... yeah. Yeah. So uh, fighting the lie is definitely the first order of business in Zoroastrianism. Um, and then second of that is, you know, everything in moderation. So, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's an intense one.
0: That, there's, uh-huh. there's a lot that goes into that, but
1: like, Kids. holy smoke, right? Come on. But like, they're already into the, like, buying into the lie. So like, there's, there's a whole level of, of the, like, they have been lost, Like, Mm -hmm. I totally see that happening. And even when they, like, when they freaking have sex finally and have kids, they're still in almost this animalistic mindset of the Mm -hmm. so far from good and and far from understanding what Ormaz wants.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that they're able to turn it around, though. Uh, Yeah. and, And that Ormaz keeps at them, keeps making them fertile, keeps trying to, you know, have give them the opportunity to re- redeem themselves. But man, does that obviously sound like the snake in the garden, right? Oh yeah. Huge. That is,
1: that's almost a uh, line for line there. Yeah. Super direct. I love that the idea of the souls of men, Who are yet to be born was that creation, Mm -hmm. and like I, that was like a line that like oh that sets up the power of the soul. Yeah, there's 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 been the stories of conflict of the devil is trying to steal souls and heaven's trying to retain as many as possible, and there's all sorts of uh, lore or you know fantasy stories about what that could mean and why souls Mm -hmm. are so important. But the idea that the the freedom of souls could be the tipping point of the, of the battle yeah. of all of humanity or all of
0: creation. That's kind of cool. I also kind of wonder how much of that uh, comes from um, reincarnation ideas out of, you know, early Hinduism.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Because, because that's the the continuation of the
0: soul, right? Into yeah. just a different physical body. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, uh, Let's uh, – there's a couple more things, and then we'll wrap it up. Sounds good. Uh, demons could change form, and Aramon could take on the appearance of a lion, a snake, lizard, or even a handsome youth. Some <laughs> or Zoroastrian theologians argued that Aramon did not have a physical body, since matter is the creation of the good god. That's interesting. But he could adopt the form he saw fit as a disguise. So he could look nice. like – whatever, but, but didn't actually have a form. Kind of reminds me of the LDS episode of Satan a little bit.
1: Oh, know, right. oh, yeah. Where he didn't mm-hmm. have
0: a body, but he could appear as yeah. anyone. Um, some demons were associated primarily with the female. The female principle is ambivalent, meaning it can go uh, either way, but it unfortunately often appears in the negative uh rather than the positive. So are you shocked? I'm not shocked. No. (laughs) Um, One myth presents Jay as the mistress of Araman, and having had intercourse with the Prince of Darkness, she then pollutes Geomart. The woman, woman, the vile seducer is more prominent in Zoroastrianism than woman, the fostering mother. So misogyny of religion is super old.
2: Super strong here. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Our <laughs> um, man is always masculine and of course, uh, so is Ormazd. So there you go. Uh, the Mazda Mazda's afterlife, the Zoroastrian uh, af- afterlife, you know, as we kind of think about the personal and then the cosmic, um, we do have these two forms. So the personal. So this is what happens to you after you die. Upon death, the soul proceeds to the Shivnat bridge where it is judged by the three just but terrible judges, Mir, Shrosh, and Rashnu. The soul's (coughs) good, excuse me. The soul's good deeds are weighted against the bad while demons crowd around seeking to tip the balance against the soul. Oh, wow. After the judges make their ruling, the soul is allowed to continue onto the bridge. If his good deeds outweighed the bad, he is met by a beautiful maiden personifying the goodness of his soul, who leads him across the bridge uh, to paradise. If his bad deeds outweighed the good, the bridge turns, presenting a razor-sharp edge, and he topples uncontrollably into the abyss where the demons carry him off to hell.
2: When you mentioned the bridge, I was remembering yasmin and the the bridge is thin as a hair you You mean this
0: clip right here things that
2: i remember a story that i remember growing up was that there will be as part of the sorting there will be like a bridge you have to cross and this bridge is going to be thinner than a hair and if you had faith and did good deeds you would be able to cross this bridge and if you didn't you would fall and you fall into hell i think
0: so that's, yeah, Yasmin's bridge right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, huge. Either result was because of our free will and our free choices over life. Again, free will being very, very huge uh, concept here. Hell, Jeremy, you, you described it. Hell is located in the center of the earth in the cavity created by Aramon from his descent. Uh, it is infested by hostile demons, who are the only companions of the damned souls. The souls are gnawed, swallowed, pierced, subjected to terrible heat and biting cold, loathsome and putrid food, and torments uh, that are adapted to the crime. Oof! So that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right, time hell. Yeah, that's apparently one description. Like, this, this is a different hell than anybody's used to seeing. And hell in
1: Earth, which is really interesting
0: because that's mm-hmm. there's been a lot of debate well, about that. Well, uh, the underworld has often been thought of as subterranean.
2: I did just uh, send you both a meme about this.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that should also be posted on the page.
0: Okay, we will do. <laughs> uh, but hell is not eternal. When the time comes at last, all souls will be saved when uh, Ormaz triumphs over Aramon. So at the end of that, so even if you're in hell, once it's done, everybody goes to paradise. Yeah. So it's a limited time only. It's now, too. In yeah, the too. Yeah, Jesus
2: descending into hell for three days and then rising again.
0: Yeah, yeah. right. Well, exactly.
1: and, and the end of Revelations, right? At, at the great battle of the end times, all souls oh. are are recovered.
0: Yeah. So now the cosmic... After 3,000 years of warfare, Ormaz presses Araman on every side, causing the forces of evil to turn on themselves because they see their impending doom. Sorry.
2: Jeremy, you're noisy. I didn't know.
0: <laughs> Zervonites held that when evil turned against evil, the demon Az devoured, uh, devours Araman, and then Ormaz destroys Az. Eliminating all traces of evil, the cosmos is restored without any evil, and all are admitted to eternal bliss, including the previously damned souls. So, thus, the principle of the principle of evil has an end, and in that end, all hopes, both for the cosmic and the individual, will be fulfilled.
2: There you go. Yeah,
0: I mean, come on, that great is time clearly like this th- this is the here and then christianity and and judaism are are going along you know they they're they're forming out of this parallel time period right yeah seems pretty influential to me
1: yeah i totally agree without being direct descendant like we were saying earlier but like yeah, yeah it's not like, sure, oh, like I
0: learned this from, you know, the Magi. It's um like, oh, that idea kind of makes sense in our context and that sort of that must mean this and yeah, blah blah. Yeah. So, uh to summarize, Zoroastrianism changed the cosmic landscape of religion by introducing dualism that isn't the high god's fault um and that there's evil. You know, evil comes from the evil one, the archenemy of the high God. Post-exilic Jewish writings and early Christian writings, particularly the apocalyptic books like Daniel, the book of Enoch, and Revelation, differed significantly in theology and theodicy than before the Babylonians exiled the Jews. There is a clear change in theology and thought before the exile and after the exile. Um totally. and that that I mean this is not new, but a lot of people don't know this and a lot of people don't under, don't necessarily know or maybe even care about um you know how these writings change, but this is how we get the devil, this is how this comes about, yeah, um, and so we have to understand why did it develop that way um and we're starting to get that picture now, so <clears throat> there's now. Now we have a being of ultimate evil and darkness. We have the first devil. He is the enemy of the God and of humanity. And he wants humanity to go against the high God. Evil and good are free will choices. And the high God is not responsible for the evil in the world. And in fact, he wars against it. The first human couple was tempted by the evil one and chose to sin against the high God who believed in the lie, but they are redeemed. Um, at, but at the same time, their sin brought pain and sorrow into the world. And yet there is still hope. There will come a judgment both for the individual and for the cosmos. You were granted paradise or dragged to hell deep underground for punishment and torment based on your free will choices in life. But those in hell will eventually be free and live in paradise after the high god inevitably kicks the living shit out of the evil one and destroys it once and for all. (laughs) And also there's that bridge thing. And the bridge thing. Now. That's super cool. There we go. There
1: it is. That's, we've been building for this. Yeah. Like, like getting into the first freaking like devil figure. We got it. Aramon.
0: This is great. I, I'm excited to finally. I mean, it, it is so clear to me. It's so clear now wh- that these familiar stories, like think they, they're obviously influenced by this hugely.
2: Oh, very much. Yeah.
0: Um, and it's just cool to connect the dots. Kuno, Cool to say, oh, the Magi. Who are these wise men? Oh, they're Zoroastrians, and they they are astronomers, and they knew math and heaven and hell, good and evil. There was a devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who seemed to be pretty cool about other religions, you know, bearing gifts to the this yeah. baby, you know. Once again, that's not necessarily a historical thing. Those are first-century CE Christian writers thinking back 50 years earlier, or or 70 years, or 80, you know, 100 years earlier, putting those ideas together. Um, that we'll get into that later. But that you know, don't make the mistake that the Bible is a yeah. No, no one's sitting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, I think we're here. Uh, You have been listening to The Devil You Don't Know. Uh, We've said it many times. Check out the show notes for more resources and links about today's episode, if that interests you. This is uh, about the midway point in our series on the ancient origins of the devil. We will will pick up the second half in the new year. That said, do expect some... uh, interview episodes and maybe even I'm still trying to figure out how, if we can do this dramatic readings of something that's public domain that relates to the devil uh, I have a really great idea I think we would have a lot of fun doing it I just need to figure out how to accomplish it legally
2: oh <laughs> yeah I'm gay. Yeah.
0: if you are enjoying this podcast obviously please do leave us a review on Apple podcasts or PodChaser. Uh, You know, right now, we're just trying to get the word out and get people to even know that we exist. So that would be wonderful. Follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And if you want to support the show, uh, you know, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash the devil podcast. You know, subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you for listening. Happy holidays and happy new year. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye.